Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello! Welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. Today, my friends, is a very special day. Uh, I really sort of backed myself into a corner there because I've just realized that it is not special. It's just a normal day. We're going to record a podcast. Uh, this is the podcast we I'm speaking in, like the royal we. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, something I should say, as I do at the top of just about every show, is that there will be spoilers. I say this as a sort of warning of spoilers a spoiler warning if you will it is not a hundred percent chance of spoilers it's just in case just in case another thing i like to say at the top of every show although it has yet to pay off in 366 plus episodes is that if you like what you hear the only payment i ask is a million dollars <laughs> Oh, you think I would have learned my lesson by now. No, the only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes because those are the things that podcast uh, rating computery brains like to see. So it would help me. And that rhymes. And you know it rhymes. Okay, uh, pretty good. Uh, top of the show. I uh, got it over with quick like that. I will push a button and that will officially start us like this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is... I forgot to write one down. I mean... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, today's movie monologue sponsor is... Uh, a, a pad of paper to to remember to write down things with. Including sponsors for your podcast. Never done that before. Okay, so uh, movie the first is Cloverfield. Oh, that movie from way back in... 2008? Yes. Uh, if you're following along with the podcast, and I hope you are, you'll know that I've been sort of on a bit of a, 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 an idea lately to have a, a series on the go. So I did Aliens, all Alien movies, and then what did I do after? Uh, Hunger Games. Uh, so I, I kind of like that idea that once a week one of the movies that I'll talk about will be part of a series and then I'll do one after the other, that sort of idea. So this is uh, only a two-part series, but uh, when the missus and I decided that 
Uh, I'll give you a little behind-the-scenes action. Today is a Wednesday. This coming weekend, we are going to be watching 10 Cloverfield Lane. What I decided to do is re-watch the original Cloverfield. Uh, although, I try to not watch any... Uh, any f trailers or try not to know anything going into movies for the most part. Uh, one sort of thing I do know is that although 10 Cloverfield Lane and this movie Cloverfield take place in the same universe, uh, they're only loosely connected. But still, yeah, but still, I thought I would connect them in this podcast. Uh. Plus, it's uh, been a long time since I've seen this movie, and it's good. Uh, the whole shaky cam thing, this, this, this movie, a lot of people didn't like it for the whole shaky cam reason. Uh, it's never really bugged me. Like, there was people complaining of getting sick in this. That, that never happened to me. Maybe if you were in a theater, or if you watch this in VR, I, I bet that would be both cool and potentially nauseating. <laughs> uh, a group of friends venture deep into the streets of New York on a rescue mission during a rampaging monster attack. Uh, monster, eh? I always sort of thought alien. It's got more of an alien feel as opposed to monster feel. But we never really find out what exactly they are. Uh, maybe we will in this next movie, which I will talk about next weekend. Uh, rating-wise, I'll go three, three, three to four. Uh, it does have, uh, what's-his-nuts, uh, who I really like. T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller's good in anything. Uh, including this is one of his early roles, I do assume. Uh, it's good. It's a good monstery, actiony flick. Yeah, we'll go four. I I've talked myself into giving it a four. Speaking of four, <laughs> this is a good segue because this movie's called Four Lions. This next movie that we're going to talk about, uh, four incompetent British jihadists set out to train for and commit an act of terror. So this is a pretty ballsy movie. Uh, I forget, I heard, heard about it on a podcast or something, I assume. Uh, yeah, uh, ballsy in the sense that it's taking sort of a, a somewhat realistic look at people who join this, uh, this jihad. Um, and then using comedy to tell a story about four of its members. So it, it treads some pretty dark ground, and it's a pretty fucked up movie, man. Uh... Rating-wise, what do I go? I'll, I'll stick with four with this. There's some moments that are tough to watch, especially when you consider uh, things that have happened. So this came out in 2010. So between 2010 and now, things that have happened uh, may, in fact, will have you watching this differently than you watch it if when it came out today. So... I don't know. Interesting for that reason alone, but uh, interesting for many reasons. Just a just a interesting, sometimes comedic, sometimes cringy movie. Yeah, cringy comedic. Uh, a little bit of that in this next movie, uh, National Lampoon: colon, Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant, Dead. Uh, the a look at the history of the American comedy publication and production company National Lampoon. So uh, a documentary about the National Lampoon, which um, I sort of knew the outline of. Uh, started as a Harvard magazine, Harvard newspaper. Was that it? <laughs> Why am I asking you? I'm the one who watched the documentary. Anyways, uh, links with the Harvard from its uh, writers, from its radio show. Uh, went into uh, the movie-making business with the National Lampoon's Animal House. 
which I highly recommend you watch. In fact, I spoke of on this very podcast, I don't think too, too long ago, uh, gave it a 5 out of 5, no doubt. This movie, uh, if this is a subject that you have any interest in, which I very much did, uh, I think it did an incredible job of giving you tons of detail. Uh, so I'll go just about a 5 out of 5. Maybe not quite a 5 out of 5. Um, as you heard, we're already out of time. And I don't like pausing the timer, but I did it anyways because I want to squeeze in these last two movies. Uh, next one is Soap Dish. Uh, this one I do remember. It was spoken of on a podcast um, with sort of high regard. Uh, I can't say. I don't really know why. <laughs> I didn't think it was that good. Uh, I, I'd go like a two. Yeah, this is definitely, of all these movies that we're talking about today, uh, the one that I would skip. Uh, maybe there's some nostalgia uh, when they were talking, I forget where, which podcast I heard it on. When they were talking about it on a podcast, there was a nostalgia factor. It came out in 1991, so maybe if you watch this at the right age, you could look back at it fondly. Uh, but because I didn't have that, maybe it lost some marks for that. I don't know. Um, just not very good. Uh, but what is very good from 1993, see, only two years later, and this did hit me in that sort of nostalgia factor very, very much, uh, is Dazed and Confused. <laughs> kind of funny, because this could hit you on two nostalgic levels. Uh, the level of if you were alive uh, in the in 1976 and in high school, or if you watched this in 1993 while in high school. Uh, yeah, just uh, the missus and I were looking for something to watch. Uh, it was a lazy Sunday, chilling in bed. My favorite kind of Sunday movie watching viewing situation just period all of those things rolled into one uh and we saw this one and said hey it's one of her favorite movies apparently which i actually did not know um and one of mine as well so easy 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 five out of five if you have not seen dazed and confused there is something wrong with you correct that correct it immediately stop this don't even come back so we listen to the rest of it. Just stop and go watch it. Television talk. Uh, today's television talk sponsor is pretty, pretty, pretty hair salon. Thank you for that sponsorship. We are talking Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 3 to 8. I brought Season 1 and 2 back several some odd episodes, I don't know when, ago. Uh, and the missus and I just recently, within the past week or so, uh, polished off the last 3 to 8, Season 3 to 8 season, fairly quickly. Like, uh, I can't think of a time where we flew through a television show so quickly as this. They were just so easy because they are so good to get addicted and binge them like nobody's business, which you can do yourself if you like, and I would recommend 
very highly. Uh, something sort of interesting, we were almost done season 8 when they announced that uh, Larry David coming back to HBO for season 9, so it's kind of like we prepared ourselves for that in advance. Uh, Garen Frigantied that when season 9 is available, probably when it was when it is sort of no longer on the air, because we like to binge, uh, we'll bring it back here for sure. Uh, okay, so uh, let's talk season 3 to 8. Uh, so season three is the restaurant season, which, jeez, is that my favorite season? Definitely among my favorite seasons. Uh, Larry decides to invest in a restaurant with a bunch of people. Uh, <laughs> and if you know anything of his personality, it doesn't go so well. Uh, season four, we have Mel Brooks. Oh yeah, that was an incredible season with the amount of Mel Brooks that we got. Um, he is in the producers of the Broadway show. I will say that my love of Mel Brooks is so strong that despite not liking musicals, I watched the movie version of the producers with, uh, I forget who it was with, uh, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. Oh, okay, I do remember. Uh, like I did it just for the reason that I love Mel Brooks so much, and I think I spoke of it on this podcast, that even that love did not help with me <laughs> as far as... Uh, liking that <laughs> musical. Uh, season 5, Richard Lewis needs a kidney transplant. Uh, a selfish bastard. Well, not in the end. Oh, spoiler. Uh, like Larry, put in that situation of having to decide whether to save his friend or not by donating a kidney. Lovely. Uh, season 6. Uh, oh yeah, this is where the blacks come in. And I don't mean people... Who are black? Well, I do mean that, but the family name is black, and they are also black, which is a joke that they use from time to time, which I assume that I sort of just used right there, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, this is sort of the season that I used a little bit in order to entice the missus to watch this series, uh, because it had uh, J.B. Uh, Smooth and Vivica A. Fox. Uh, the missus loves a sassy black woman in the form, in this case, of Vivica A. Fox. And uh, I also told her that uh, the J.B. and J.B. Smooth stood for Jelly Bean. Uh, <laughs> I think she did believe me for a little while. She no longer does sadness he is one of the best parts of the show from season six onwards uh any moments with jb smooth just highlights highlights of the show uh okay so season seven uh larry and loretta are now in a relationship cheating on her oh yeah okay so uh larry ends up with vivica a fox who gets terminally ill once again in a situation with someone sick should he do the right thing? Should he be shellfish? 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 Selfish? That was not... <laughs> that was not... That was real, what just happened there. Uh, <laughs> and finally, uh, Larry finalizes his divorce with Cheryl. Oh yeah, uh, so this last season, season 8, takes place all in New York. Uh, he's basically in New York to hide in order to not do a charity gig with children. So, someone comes up to you and says, Oh, we'd love you to have uh, a part in our charity. Uh, you say, Ah, I hate to tell you I'm going to be out of town. Um, this comes back. You leave town for... 
you then leave town for an entire, I think it was six, eight months just to get out of doing charity. Folks, that is Larry David in a nutshell. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Uh, today's book banter sponsor is Boxing Mittens. Okay, uh, looks like we got ourselves here a lazy Just Tweets day. Uh, what that is, is, if you're unfamiliar, if you're a first-time listener, somehow, some way, jumping on episode 366 of a podcast, first of all, you're a weirdo and I love you. Second of all, occasionally when I haven't quite finished a book... Uh, I'll just go to my weekly Sunday Funday uh, tweets that I post, curated, not curated, curated is in fact the wrong word, written by me. These are not things that I found places, these are things from my brain that I have written. Okay? Okay. Uh, okay, so let's uh, hop in without further ado, because usually I can fit quite a few in here. <clears throat> Uh, oh yeah, you know what? I've been experimenting from time to time lately with some yo ma your oh my god, some yo mama jokes. For example, uh, yo mama so ugly she's like the crypt key. Oh fuck, take two. Yo mama so ugly she's like the crypt keeper. She de- <laughs> she delights in the misfortune of others, which I personally find to be a ugly personality trait. Okay, <laughs> so far we're really doing well at this. Uh, if you took 100 fanboat owners and 100 non-fanboat owners, which group would be missing the most amount of teeth, do you think? Uh, when does a Netflix show become a rerun? Good question. Uh, does the Pope think he is the judge, jury, and excommunicator? Uh-huh. Uh, sign of the Apocalypse 23B-C4. Any sequel or reboots involving a bubble girl or bubble man? It's a bubble boy joke. Very topical, very topical. Uh, is anyone else disappointed by the distinct lack of old roads in the antique road show? That one is almost funny. Uh, you know jazz hands? Uh, I assume dubstep hands is a fist up your ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to picture a Vietnamese man after the war living a quiet life as a village animal doctor. A Vietnam vet, Vietnam vet. Uh, ones like that, I find, look better than they sound. They look, when you see a Vietnam vet, Vietnam vet, looks good on the screen. Okay, so here uh, I have uh, created some Disney porn movies. We've got The Loin King, Poke Her Haunches. Snow, white stuff, ew, uh, the sword and the pussy. <laughs> okay, that one's a little blunt. Uh, and glass bottom boat willy, ew again. The sword and the pussy kind of took me by surprise, I will admit. I wrote that, I don't remember writing that, but. Uh, probably the dirtiest clean thing is a foam party. Yeah, that one's not very good. Um, they're not all winners. I, I write 30 to 40 a week. Um, I figured maybe one's funny a week. See, I got 52 a year. Uh, you know you are getting old when you start listening to Kid in Work. 
<laughs> it's a kid and play joke. Man, I'm really topical on these ones. Uh, I hear they're making a human centipede spin-off movie with a midget sewn inside a fat person called Human Human. That one is a bit of a head scratcher. Uh, my fantasy football is that football does not exist. Uh, Canadian movie remakes. Okay, so here we've got Canadian movie remakes. Uh, The Green Kilometer. Uh, Easy A. Movie called Easy A with a letter A. Here it's E-H. Explaining jokes. The best. Uh, All the Prime Minister's Men. Uh, Twelve Nice Men. Uh, and I think this is my favorite. Alvin and the Ketchup Chip Monks. Because, uh... You know what, I didn't know this until probably the last couple of years, that ketchup chips are a sort of Canadian-only thing. So, there you go. Explaining jokes is what's really funny. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is Planet of the Grapes Winery. Thank you, sponsorship. Uh, Okay, so if you're following along, you will probably not be surprised that today we're talking uh, The Witcher 3 Blood and Wine, uh, what I'm going to go in ahead and call part two of our talk. Uh, Because the last part, I sort of, like I said, just dip my toe into it a little bit. Uh, now I've got a whole weekend under my belt where I played a lot. Probably more than it is healthy. No, probably about that. Definitely more than it is healthy and <laughs> more than I'd care to admit. How about how about saying it that way? Uh, I even took some notes, which uh, I haven't often done, uh, just because there was so much to explore and do in this massive... Uh, quite possibly one of the most massive downloadable contents for any video game. Uh, I am doing all the side missions. I did maybe five-ish, if I had to guess, of the main missions. And then I had a bunch of side missions to do. uh, And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do all all of these until there's none left. Uh, Then then I'm going to move on to contracts. Then I'm going to move on to treasure hunts, which usually I don't have a huge amount of fun with. But... Um, and with contracts and treasure hunts, maybe I won't do every single one, but the, the, just the sheer amount of content is friggin' crazy. Uh, okay, so let's see what my notes say. Alright, so did a tourney, a knight's tourney, which is basically uh, riding horses, uh, fighting from horseback, we got some archery, although archery using crossbow feels like cheating. Like, I don't think... Did they have crossbow... Uh, tournaments back in the day? I suppose they probably did, but whenever you see in movies or read in books about uh, knight-type tournaments and and things like that, jousting and what have you, uh, it's always bow and arrow. You never really hear about crossbow. Hmm. Uh, but The Witcher uses a crossbow, so you gotta uh, roll the punches. Uh, the, the reason I was in this was to help a dude who was in love with the sort of princess who was, for some reason, I don't really get that part, she was sort of running the tourney, 
uh, I guess maybe she put it on or her family put it on so she would, you know, hand out prizes to the winners and stuff, which maybe it's not too weird, but it was a little weird. What was weird is that she was fucking half bird. <laughs> that sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, I was sort of uh, trying to help this guy woo her. Um, yeah, that's a way to to describe it and eventually I'm like in her tent searching for clues why the wooing isn't working <laughs> why she's possibly cursed yeah this guy pretty arrogant uh, thinks along the lines of well this girl doesn't like me she must be cursed <laughs> uh, he's a bit of a jerk but but still he was a man in love right and that makes us all jerky from time to time anyways so I'm, I'm searching in her place and I see this bird and I don't know why this would happen. I understand why it happened in the game, but if I'm searching for clues for cursedness and I see a bird, why would I then follow the bird when it flies off? I, I didn't really get that part, but I did. Uh, she led me on a merry chase uh, to an area where I sort of see this half bird, half girl thing. Uh, then there's sort of the classic decision of should I kill, should I not uh, when it comes to my sort of playthrough of this I always lean towards the not when it's a sort of monstery thing I always sort of stick on the side of monsters for the most part just because that's sort of a fun thing to do, I don't know because aren't we all monsters inside so, oh shit uh, okay so that's enough time on the loving bird lady uh, one of the, the strangest things uh, interesting for the reason of its dullness that I did in this was a it's called a mission in a bank it was a side mission where I had to go to a bank and try to get my money that was deposited uh, like a hundred years ago uh, if you don't know the witcher is very old doesn't really age and he's not uh, immortal exactly it's just he because of his witcher abilities he, he kind of doesn't age so uh, hundreds of years ago or a hundred years ago however long it was uh, there was a deposit made under his name in this bank uh, I go to the bank and they're like oh uh, we thought you were dead this account's been closed uh, oh so you're not dead well you're gonna need to fill out this form Alright, so I'm in a video game, I'm in a bank, I'm waiting in line, I'm filling out forms, uh, it turns out I'm in the wrong line, uh, I need to get this other form for them to even give me this form that proves that I'm alive. The amount of time I spent, probably like 15, more time, <laughs> I spent more time, yeah, okay, let me, let me say this, this is a good way to put it, I spent more time in bank lines in this video game last weekend than I did in the entire last year in an actual bank line. <laughs> uh, so that is really, I think that's a demonstration that my life is pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Internet, internet, <laughs> internet, internet, it, fuck me. Uh, internet 
intercourse sponsor is E3, which is, of course, exotic electromagnetic exhibitionism. What is going on with me today? Am I drunk? No. I did have a hamburger on my drive home. Maybe. Uh, I have mad cat disease. That would be sad. Does it hit this quickly? Okay, so, uh, first thing is first, which is Comedy Bang Bang number 428 with guest Reese Darby. Reese Darby! Yes! Uh, this, if you're unfamiliar with Comedy Bang Bang, damn you. Uh, on the other hand, good, because it means you'll still listen to this piece of shit and won't immediately go over there and listen to all those awesome things. Uh, the other thing I want you to be familiar with is Reese Darby, probably most well-known from Flight of the Concords, although uh, popping up more and more often, it feels like, which is amazing because everything from At Midnight to the newest season of X-Files to uh, What We Do in the Shadows, everything, he is he sort of steals the show for me, for my bang, for my buck. Uh, <laughs> one of the things of this... Uh, the fact that Comedy Bang Bang is one of my favorite, most are in part for the reason that uh, the host, Scott Ackerman, seems to share an eerily similar sense of humor to myself. Uh, that combined with the fact that, as I just mentioned, restarted me, my love of, probably, also, has to do with the fact that seemingly he and I also share a eerily close sense of humor. So, those two together meant that the first little chunk of this podcast, whether it's just the two of them talking with one another, uh, was definitely my favorite version of that in all 428 episodes that I've ever heard so far. I was driving home laughing so hard that uh, I'm lucky I didn't die. Yeah. Tears in my eyes, making it harder to see. Laughter convulsing my frame. Uh, the uh, I should, probably shouldn't even say, but the the latter half of the podcast when they had a, another guest on, it was it was great. It's just uh, the first part was incredible. So, uh, while we're on the subject of comedy, bang bang number four twenty eight, let's briefly talk of uh, number four twenty seven, in which my yes me but talking these words. Uh, would you rather scenario was chosen for not the first, not the second, not the third, not the fourth, not the fifth, not the seventh, but the sixth time. Yes. I assume that's a record. It's probably not, but maybe it is. The last two, in fact, of my, of the would, uh, of the, uh, would you rather games played on this podcast were one submitted by me. So, uh, pretty incredible feat, I think. I'm proud of it. The thing I'm not proud of is the fact that uh, it didn't go so well. It was probably one of the most shat upon would you rather scenarios in Comedy Bang Bang, would you rather scenario history, specifically by Natasha Leggero. Uh, you could look at that one of two ways. You could say, you know, fuck her, which I don't. Uh, the other way I can look at it which I do, is that it's like being mocked by uh, uh, Don Rickles. Like, uh, if you want an interac interaction with Don Rickles, it's probably going to be one where he uh, busts your balls a little bit, which is what you what you want. So, uh, Natasha Leggero, very much in that sort of ball-busting camp. Uh, one of the reasons I like her so much, uh, so for her to shit upon something I did... Uh, it, it, 
it's it feels I don't want to say it feels good, but it doesn't feel bad. It, it does kind of feel good. It does kind of feel good in, on on some levels. On some levels, let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the other thing I was sort of thinking is that. Uh, because they very infrequently play uh, Would You Rather anymore, and because this went so poorly, uh, maybe I killed the game. Maybe it will never be played again. Uh, yeah, so you're welcome, or sorry. One one of one of each of those, for depending on your reaction. Uh, the other thing I thought is, don't play Would You Rather with people like Natasha Leggero. Or people like uh, Tignataro, or people like uh, Anthony Jeselnik, people with humorously cranky personalities. Uh, play it with ah oh god! If you hadn't played it with Reese Darby, I bet you, I bet you it would have been a little slice of comedy. Bang bang! Would you rather scenario awesomeness? So that's just a thought that I'm throwing out to Scott Ackerman, who uh, no doubt listens to every episode of this because I listen to every episode of his podcast. So, obviously, he listens to every episode of this. Okay, so, spent way more time on that than I planned to, but uh, we're not in any huge rush today, so I'll, uh, as you heard, I paused. Uh, we'll fit in the rest, which is lots of E3 coverage from GameSpot, Victor Lucas, uh, there's probably other sources that I watched things from. Uh, E3, from your point of view, has been over for a while. For me, uh, it just sort of wrapped up. Uh, that gives you an idea of how far in advance I have managed to record these things. Hiccup. Uh, okay, so if you don't know anything of E3, it is the Electronic uh, Entertainment Expo. Entertainment Electronic Expo. It's one of those. Uh, in which people bring their video games and hardwares and softwares each each year to show them off to not the public but the press, which is kind of interesting. The press then takes it and shows it to the public. So I, don't, I guess that's the middleman. Uh, anyways, uh, watch it every year. Watch footage from it every year. Used to love the uh, 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 G4 specials from that. Uh, would be the only time where I sort of religiously watched TV and, and recorded and watched the whole thing. So uh, now I get most... Uh, well, I get all of my info of E3 from the internet, but uh, most from GameSpot, just because of their coverage is incredible. Uh, I don't want to forget Victor Lucas and uh, Electric Playground folk, because they do a great job as well, but uh, it's hard to compete with GameSpot in this space. Uh, okay, so what uh, what did we see? Uh, Bethesda's was the one I was most excited about, which is maybe why I was the not exactly blown away with. Uh, we're going to get Skyrim Remastered, which is that's kind of cool. You can play with mods, though, and, and get better graphics, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, we've got Prey. That was sort of their big announcement, which <laughs> everyone, myself included, was kind of surprised by just because uh, Prey was a game I can't even remember if I played, and I'm not alone in that fact because it didn't blow people away. It wasn't a bad game. Um, it just wasn't as exciting as a Skyrim or as a Fallout or many, many other things. So the fact that they're making Prey 2 and that was their big announcement was a, a little strange, but it still looked awesome. Uh, I have hopes for it. Be they high or not, I don't know. But there's hopes. 
the the sort of main takeaway from this was for me anyways the vast majority of the stuff that had me the most excited was all the vr stuff like it's just incredible how quickly uh virtual reality augmented reality have sort of taken over the world of video games people talking about it experiencing it saying you have to experience it uh some of the things that they showed were follow for vr fucking incredible imagine uh, parts of me are amazed by the fact that maybe one day I'll get to play that. Parts are horrified of being attacked by naked mole rats <laughs> because that sometimes scares me when I'm not experiencing it in a virtual reality. So, you know, that's the weird one of the weirdest things for me of, of Fallout is quite often uh, the least like the least powerful characters in the game are those fucking naked mole rats. But when they're jumping at me. Sometimes that gets me my heart pumping, then a death claw jumping at me. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. What I do get and hope to get one day is friggin' the VR Star Trek Bridge Crew Simulator. So basically, you're uh, a member of the Star Trek Bridge Crew. Uh, the only sort of, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say downside is the fact that the bridge is the one from the movies. Um, I'd rather it was old school or the next generation or probably those two would be the best. Uh, my favorite Star Trek, just since we're on the subject, is Deep Space Nine, so that would be cool as well. Uh, I guess less cool in a video game setting, since that's more about character than... Anyways, uh, we're not here to talk about that, but yeah, so like you're you're firing phasers, you're steering, you're, you're in charge of the... Uh, engineering uh, they had friggin lavar burton who i've had the pleasure of meeting twice uh do some of the uh the the vr stuff with it just really incredible and can't wait to one day get my hands on vr when it's not stupid expensive okay uh last final note on this whole e ring is something that gamespot did which was very very cool and uh they did something called a shared stage uh, I think this is a new idea, at least I never remember seeing it before. Basically, they had a giant stage on E3, you know, couches, microphones, uh, video cameras, the whole shebang. Uh, that's even if you didn't work for the company of GameSpot, you could use. So say I'm, uh, I, I suppose there's probably some credentials you would need. Uh, like, uh, it's not just some Jobo off the street, but... Or maybe it was. No, no, probably probably wasn't. Uh, you could go and use their use their stage. They would then post your video to GameSpot. You would also get the video. You could post it to your own site. So there was like uh, Achievement Hunter, uh, I think, and I haven't watched it yet uh, because it came out a little later. I think Victor Lucas got to use the stage. Uh, really, really cool idea. Cool for the reason that it's the sharing of content, but uh, doubly cool for the reason that it gives at least the impression that people in this sort of realm of video game media don't hate each other so much that they can't uh, sort of share and share alike. There's sort of a community feel to it very much, which I always like because, folks, segue, it is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show.
a sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.